Hello, and welcome to episode 267 of Constructed Comics, a podcast building stories one page and one panel at a time. On this episode, we have an interview with Caleb Tustat, the creator of Neverland, now on Kickstarter. Caleb, so, thanks so much for, for joining us. Um, please, let's do as we normally do with the interviews. Uh, the very first, the very two first things we go over is a, a quick bio and an elevator pitch for this awesome book that's on Kickstarter right now. All right, yeah. Uh... Nice, nice. Thanks for having me, Matt. Uh, so I started really writing professionally, working in film, probably about 15 to 16 years ago. Mm-hmm. And I was doing short films and feature films. And then uh, I had all these really cool ideas. And I decided that it was just not within my grasp to do that. So I moved into making comic books and it's been about six years in the making now and I've gone through I think this is my 16th Kickstarter campaign running um and yeah that it's brought me all the way here and I've gotten a couple book deals over the couple past years and you know it's it's been a wild ride but uh it's you know you know how it is it's 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 i think we honestly i think we probably started doing this at relatively at the same time i remember you launching some things too around my uh, alter life series but um it's just been a wild ride for the past six years and i've kind of just snowballed and kept going and and here we are with the neverland yeah that's um well well, yeah, we'll get to the elevator pitch in a second, but yeah, I think the the timing of sort of our comics journeys do link up um, pretty pretty closely. I think the the first book that I did, Digital Forever, I can remember, you know, your Afterlife series, either maybe even running concurrently or running like right right after that. So I, I think that uh, those you know those are pretty close uh, yeah. you know timeframes for us. I remember I remember that book coming at the same time as my series. And I was like, it was like fitting that we be connected with each other. Cause we had like these, uh, these stories that kind of almost went together in a way. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that was definitely really cool. Um, so yeah, let's, um, you know, I was lucky enough to, to be able to, to read a couple of pages of this, but why don't you do the, do the elevator pitch for this book that we're uh, here to talk about tonight? Yeah, for sure. Um, so this is a story of a boy growing up during a pandemic and he, his mother gets ill and he feels like he's being forced to grow up too soon. So one night he goes to sleep and he wakes up uh, and finds himself in the Neverland, which is he, his mother and father have told him stories of the Neverland over the years. And uh, he finds that, the land is devoid of magic and it's dark and it's not what he imagined it to be and this this series is kind of the story of him trying to bring the magic back to neverland and essentially become the new peter pan okay so um i guess maybe first questions is pandemic you know it's set in 2020 in chicago um and, and Neverland, was Neverland something that you wanted to explore 
earlier. And then, you know, obviously, you know, as the world changed in 2020, we're all sort of faced with this new reality, these new fears. Is that something that you then decided to, to, to match up? How, how did the sort of, the, you know, these two parts of the story come together? It's, it's kind of crazy because <clears throat> this was not on my radar of something to write uh, even pre-pandemic or anything. Uh, my son, <clears throat> actually, he was, I think, three at the time, got into watching, he kept watching Peter Pan, the Disney Peter Pan, and he got into everything that was Peter Pan. So I decided to read him the original novel, which may or may not have been a good idea considering he was so little because it's actually a very dark story uh in the original book so but i i loved it and i thought man there's something here with with everything that i'm seeing and kids being forced to kind of grow up and adapt to this crazy situation i i saw a story in there and i saw a a kid grasping onto his childhood and i was Mm -hmm. like man something just clicked in my head that this was a story that needed to be told right now and I just kind of dropped everything else I was doing and wrote five issues of this story which the scripts are completely finished at this point because I was just so motivated to make the story happen awesome so what is sort of your intended audience for this um I I feel like maybe it's all ages um (laughs) But, you know, obviously um, there's an adventure, you know, aspect yeah. of, of Neverland that, you know, everybody sort of loves. But there's also sort of the, the real world sort of implications of, of what we what we've been dealing with, what we're hopefully coming out of. Like, what what is your your audience here? So when I started making this, I, I kept thinking about the never ending story. And that's one of the reasons we have an homage cover for the never ending story in this because when I was growing up, I loved that movie. Mm-hmm. And as I got older, I realized how much depth there was written in that story that I never really picked up on when I was a kid. And <clears throat> I thought, I want to write something for my son's generation that has that quality to it. So you can read it as a kid and you, you'll see this fun adventure of a kid escaping to neverland and you might you know it, some of this stuff might be a little heavy for a kid but once you get to neverland and enjoy those adventures it's just a fun story but it's also got subtext that is all the meanings behind everything and that's kind of i wanted to build it so that you know you you grow up and you come back to it and you get more out of it so I, I think the intended audience for me is really, it's kind of a, a young adult book mm-hmm. in a sense, but I would, I, I think it's written in a way that you can share it with your kids and you can read it yourself and get more out of it. So I think it's really it's an all ages book in that, in that sense, but it's not like, you know, my super cat series, which is just silly kids books that anyone can read. This is like, I wanted something that had depth to it that you could come back and enjoy as you got older. Cool. Yeah. So as, as you were talking, I was scrolling through the the Kickstarter page and I think that you, you, 
you say this is an all ages comic, but it hovers somewhere around the PG to PG 13 rating. Um, yeah. So that that's a pretty good clarification. Um, this is probably a silly question. Um, and, you know, due to the fact that you have an Everland book and, um, you know, we make reference to Captain Hook. These are all public domain um, characters. Yeah, so that's, there's a tricky, one tricky thing with Peter Pan. You, you can't use anything from, that was specifically written for the stage play or specifically written as a Disney product. So okay. as long as you're playing off the original novel, uh, J.M. Barr, even the writer, he left his book in public domain. Like he did not want someone to be owning the rights to Peter Pan. He wanted this other stories to be told with his characters. So it's actually kind of awesome. And yeah, that he did that. And you, if you if you look into it, there are a lot of cool things out there that are that have been written with these characters. But I just took them and I put this funky spin on them. You know, they're they're kind of broke. They're all kind of broken characters that have to be fixed. You know, it, it's almost like the Wizard of Oz, and then you go to the Return to Oz, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like this weird. A broken world that the girl is trying to fix it's it's got that feel to it awesome so you had said earlier in the the the, the bio that you run um either exactly 16 or in the neighborhood of, of 16 uh kickstarters is, is that correct i think i've i think i've done 17 okay. that i've actually run i have 16 that have actually been funded so i had okay. one fail Oh, okay. Early on. All right. So um, I, I have some uh, crowdfunding questions, but I think maybe we should we should stick with, with the story here. Um, are any of the people in the creative team, people that you've worked with uh, in the past when you've been making books or did you, did you go out to find a new creative team? Yeah, so um, my artist, Marcelo Biat, he's been working with me for some years now he worked on a nook series um of mine that actually just is going to be out through source point now this summer nice Uh, they're releasing that issue by issue uh this summer which will be cool because it'll be all revamped and new covers and everything but that's a world war ii ghost story he did with me he he likes to be challenged to do something completely different constantly and i love that too so we're constantly challenging each other with our ideas so I've kind of just brought him along the ride whenever I have a cool idea. I'm like, hey, do you want to do this? So he did the nook with me. And then he did Flytrap uh, last year was uh, a time travel one shot. It was like a 60 page one shot we did. And I brought that creative team really with me to this book. So it's Marcelo Biat doing all the interior artwork. And he did the official cover uh, it's on the Kickstarter there with uh, Percy floating in the water. And then uh, we got Robert Nugent, who's a, an amazing colorist, uh, who did Flytrap with me. He read the script for issue one and wanted to be part of it. So brought him along. And then I got Stan Yak to do the variant of that's like the homage to 
the never-ending story which just came out amazing it looks it looks like a nice copy of the original poster from the never-ending story but it's got all the characters from the neverland so it's pretty cool Cool. So has the creative process or the, the communication between the team um, evolved, uh, you know, as you've, you know, been together, you know, maybe this team has been on probably like three, four books together. Like, has it evolved? Like the sort of the, the level of communication, yeah. the level of trust that everybody has, how can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Like I've always been, I've been fortunate finding the people that I've worked with on these books um, because they always seem to do me, bring me something better than what I even could imagine in my head. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what happened with the Nook uh, books when I put them together. Like uh, Marcella was bringing me pages that I would, I, I had given him a certain breakdown of how the panel should be and he would always throw his own twist on it and so now you know three whole uh graphic novels in basically we're at the point now that i basically i unless there's specific panels that i want and a specific way i want it to be seen i basically just am like this page should be this many panels do what you can with it so it's there's a lot more of a shorthand to it and if there's action i just kind of let him take the reins because i know i can i can trust that he's going to bring me something fantastic that i probably wouldn't have thought of myself <laughs> so i've already gotten that a couple times with this first issue where he sent me back a page and i'm just like that's not what i imagined but it's a million times better than i could have so and the colorist Robert is the second book I'm working on with him. So we don't quite have that, but he's, he's well aware of what he's doing and he knows how to make it. You know, I just, I gave him the direction that I like wanted this book to kind of the magic is gone from the Island and Percy's bringing it back. And so we start with like a desaturated uh, color scheme on the island when he gets there but as the series goes it's gonna fill in at, and it's just gonna be really cool it's gonna be something that it might be subtle changes but if you're really paying attention you're gonna see that that art of the colorist come out too so it's it's exciting and then I actually am stepping up and doing some lettering this time too which I haven't done so it's, it's constantly evolving <laughs> Very cool. So, all right. So one of the questions that I, I tend to ask people who let me know that they're the writer and the letterer, you know, that's one of the final phases of the, the creation um, process. I mean, and I, I, you sent me a script to, to, to look at, and I, I read through a few pages of that. Um, but there's something different about, you know, putting dialogue down on a on a google doc or, or you know uh you know writing it down but then seeing it um you know represented you know with the art there and and the speech balloon are, are you taking that as a chance to to do a little little tweaks here and there once you once you get to that point most definitely that's one of the reasons i wanted to learn this i gave, made it my goal over this winter to really at least learn the basics i'm fortunate that 
like any of the dynamic stuff that's action sound uh i marcelo usually will just take the reins and put that in there for me okay but um the basic stuff where you're dropping in dialogue and voiceover i know from working in the past with these artists and stuff it's like when you want to make changes or add stuff and you're relying on someone else to do every bit of it it's just it takes so long and it's overwhelming and then like i i feel like this overall is going to be a better book because i can just go in and be like oh i this it sounds better if i change this or add this here and add this there so i've already done that because i've lettered the first 10 pages and it's just a, it's a great way to do that big final edit and be able to not have to rely on someone else to do it for you did you um go out to educate yourself you know through like an online tutorial an online class or did you basically as a comics reader um somebody that's worked with teams before kind of look at stuff that you knew worked and and stuff that um you know you knew didn't work because you know a lot of times we talk about how um uh, the letterer is sort of like a referee or an umpire in a sports game. Like you don't notice them unless they, they, they mess up and bring their, you know, attention to themselves. <laughs> yeah. So what was your sort of, you know, thinking about getting ready to lettering? Was it just sort of the knowledge that you built up or um, looking at some online tutorials? A few things, actually. I, I, there's some online tutorials. There's a guy named Nate, I think his name is Picos. Yeah. Uh, he has a great book that's come about comic lettering. It came out this last year. I picked that up. It, I mean, it breaks down pretty much everything you can imagine. And then uh, he's done some cool YouTube videos and stuff too that help, you know, just with the basic uh, forms of doing everything. And then, you know, this is some trial and error. And then I uh, would letter some pages and show them to Marcelo and get feedback or, you know, post them on Facebook and get people's uh, input on how good it looks, how, what, what might need to get changed. I'm fortunate to have enough people now on social media that are all doing this stuff that they can at least tell me if it looks like garbage. So <laughs> I can be like, all right, well, I need to go do a little better with this or that and you know it's gonna I, i'm sure at, at some point i'll look back at it and be like i should have done this or that better but i think uh all in all if you can't if you have the means to do it it's it's well worth it as a as a writer to to get your hands in there and be able to kind of edit yourself you know and because you like you said it's once you actually see it on that page and you're like oh you know, I could just take a couple words out here or rephrase this or, you know, it, it's a little long-winded here. You can take some bubbles out by shortening things up. And it's just like all those things, it's it's well worth the the time. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't take that long to learn the basics, you know. And if you can find somebody that can help you do the fancy stuff, you know, the if you're not quite the artist to do all the fancy lettering for the the sounds and interactions then the basic stuff i mean honestly any anyone can do if, if you can take figure out how to how to get your hands in there and and do it 
especially these days, you know, you just pick up an iPad and you can do all that stuff instantaneously. So I was like, I have an iPad. I'm going to figure this out. So <laughs> that was my goal this winter was finish the Neverland writing and learn how to letter. So, <laughs> so, um, I don't know if you mentioned this earlier, if it was in the, the preview pages, but how old is the, the character of this book? Um, he's supposed to be around seven or eight. Okay. Um, but yeah, so he's, he's young, but I wanted him to be like a preteen. And sure. I didn't want him to, you know, not quite to the point where he's, someone would normally think he'd be losing his childhood you know some a seven-year-old being faced with his mother being ill i i feel like that would be a, a a more drastic moment you go younger than that they might not grasp what's going on and you get older and it's not going to take much to push them over to losing their childhood you know so <laughs> yeah um cool so you had mentioned earlier that this is all written out, um, five issues, um, and, and we're here with the first issue. You're running a Kickstarter now, uh, and you have quite a library of, of, of books. Um, are, you, are you offering um, you know, catch-up tiers uh, digitally and, and maybe in, in print as well for anybody that wouldn't have been following along on your creative journey? Absolutely. Um, I actually tried to make it the best deal to catch up uh, than I've ever really had. So I think for all of 10 bucks, you get like pretty much everything that I've made so far outside mm -hmm. of uh, one book that I haven't continued. I, I did Zed, if you don't, if you remember that series that I did a couple issues of that. But since it didn't continue, I was like, eh, I'm not going to really throw that in there. We'll just keep it the full books but for 10 bucks you're getting alter life nook flytrap and the first neverland uh book and digital and then uh, i have all kinds of cool cheap bundles if you just want to piecemeal some of it together and then you can also just buy add-ons uh for the certain books if you like one or the other you know so i wanted to make everything available in some way for a reasonable price for people and it seems to have uh, worked fairly well i mean i mean i know a lot of people have been coming along for the ride and the journey so there's not a lot of people that are picking up full bundles but i know you know i figured with the neverland being something that's a little more familiar to people that we might get some new people on board for sure so i wanted to make sure that that was there and yeah you can get stuff that's like just the I have a couple bundles that are like the Mar anything that Marcelo and I worked on together, you can get for fairly cheap. And then you can throw in Ultra Life too for a really cheap price, way cheaper than I sell anywhere else, really. So cool. And I also see uh, I also see sketches that those are pretty cool for somebody that's really into you know original art or, or getting a sketch. So um, that's that's by the uh, the interior artist. Yeah, Marcelo does awesome sketch work, and he actually wanted. Um, if you look at the reward tiers on the Kickstarter, the mail on there is actually Marcelo. He 
drew himself as a oh, pirate. So cool. <laughs> it's like, that's pretty awesome. But yeah, I was tempted. I'm like, I'm tempted to squeeze one of those out for myself. Be like, hey, I need to make me one of those because it's just kind of cool. It's a fun, it's a black and white sketch. It's not huge or anything, but it's it's a, a unique item from him. And he doesn't, I didn't want to overwork them. So there's not a lot of them there. I think there's mm-hmm. like 15 total available and probably at least a third of them are gone at this point. But uh, yeah, I've, I always try to find something cool, a little extra thing from the artist to throw in there. And he's usually wanting to do something for Nook. He like actually made like a little cat statue that wow. we made like, I think a handful of them and those things were gone in like two seconds because everybody wants figures, but, <laughs> but the cool. sketches are doing well. And I think it looks awesome. I, I've seen, I've seen him at a convention sitting next to me, make sketching people. And I was like, man, you need to make everybody a, a never only a pirate because that would be, that'd be something I would want for sure. If I saw this. So <laughs> nice. Um, okay. So here we are. This is the, the perfect jumping on point for this series, a, a one, and you have the ability to catch up with other things. Um, you've written all of this out. Um, where are you in sort of, uh, other than the, the writing, where are you in sort of the, the production of, of the book? So I think we have a, probably two-thirds of the book is actually finished as far as artwork mm-hmm. um marcel is working on pages as we speak so basically we're trying to wrap up the initial interior art um, by the end of the campaign then robert will take it and color it over the course of you know it takes a good two sometimes three weeks to get that money to even come from the <laughs> from the campaign to start things rolling so we kind of gave ourselves a little buffer there and you know things happen it could get delayed a little bit but uh our delivery date is estimated around may so i think that's reasonable um but yeah so we're we're just kind of going as we can and if we raise more than our goal this for this campaign, it's going to go right into ro- rolling into the second issue so that we can kind of get a head start on that because we're hoping to at least launch uh, issue two probably sometime uh, between June and August. Um, that's actually when my Nook series comes out with Source Point. So we're kind of piggyback along that release and hopefully get some more people on board there too but uh i'm hoping to at least get two done this year uh if it goes really well who knows maybe we'll launch number three before the end of the year too but (laughs) it's sort of i I feel like the the life of of an indie creator like if things are going you know really at their optimal best like that three the four month time frame is what you can basically yeah or not basically but what you can almost like hope for and like it's more it probably leans more to that like five to six month uh, time frame is that what you find definitely i mean with my first book the the ultra life series it was like i think i did the first well it was my first issue ever so 
I obviously I wrote it and I ran the campaign and then I decided that story was too complicated to just jump right into the second one. So I, I ended up having to write everything out and finish it. And that actually took me like a whole year between launching again, which you really don't want to have to do because then you just lose everybody just kind of forgets that you were even around. Mm-hmm. So it's like, yeah, I think that that six months, like you won't really, you really want to try to stick to six months and under to get that set that next one out there so that people aren't waiting too long. So, yeah, I'm like, I'm trying to do everything I can to just keep this, the production constantly moving. So we'll, we'll see. I mean, it all depends on how much we can raise. Mm-hmm. And I'm also, I'm doing lots of shows and I have the other books I'm, uh, I have books on Scout Comics now too, and I have uh, Source Point. So I'm like hoping everything feeds into us getting these books made a little faster, and we don't have to wait, you know, too long to see what happens to these characters. Yeah. So, um, are you like uh, lettering the book uh, when pages come in, or is all of your focus like right now? Uh, like on crowdfunding, I I feel like sometimes as creatives, it's it's almost a benefit to have something to 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 work on, uh, so that you're not constantly like crowd you know in crowdfunding mode. Uh, but but how are you handling this? Well, first weekend I've been all all hands on deck with the crowdfunding. It's aside from going to uh, a convention over the weekend, but uh, so I've it's but which which is still just promoting mm-hmm. half of it's just promoting but i've been really focused on that for the first week i have i do have some pages in my hands that i need to start slapping letters on so i'm probably gonna start doing that this week too but yeah i like because the beauty of of doing it yourself is i can i can get all the lettering done before we even have it colored and everything and then you just have it ready to go so i'll probably dig into that while this is going on just for my own sanity's sake but mm-hmm. uh because <laughs> if you're doing nothing but hitting that refresh button and it can get overwhelming but yeah. uh you know uh i'm i'm also doing lots of podcasts and lots of uh just promotion everywhere that i can so it's it's going to be a long three weeks but, you know, I, I think i've pulled out all the stops for this one so i'm hoping it, it pays off and helps us get into issue two well enough so awesome so i i I was thinking of a question there um you know being at a con you know if you have something that's completed you know you can you can pitch that and then you can you know hand the the hard copy over to somebody the print copy over and say you know feel free to flip through it see see what you think um but how are you handling, you know, telling people like uh, about the Kickstarter? Do you have like any like images up, maybe like a QR code for them to, to scan and go directly to, to the web page? How are you handling trying to, you know, pitch and not, I guess, maybe not hand that's sell? exactly what I did. So I, okay. I like made like a promo image that has the covers and then like some examples of the pages on it and then like a small blurb and then like the. I actually slapped a, a QR code that sends you right direct to the Kickstarter. And then I 
put a sign on there that's like if you back while at the convention you get like ten dollars off your purchase or something like that you know oh, that's, give them a deal. that's awesome so um and i actually this is the first time i've really done it that way this time and i had like five people back in the six hour event that i did this past weekend so i was like well i think there's something to be said about that so um yeah the weird thing is though if we if i had done this like three years ago i probably wouldn't have had anybody do it it's i i think kickstarter has become a, a good enough source for people to find cool new comics that now there's a lot more people familiar with it because yeah. I swear, I tried to promote these things on Kickstarter even from the get-go when I started doing this, and people are like, did not know what the heck I was talking about. It's like you would—I had to spend my time explaining what Kickstarter was before <laughs> I could sell sell them the book. Right now, it's just like that. People are—I I was selling books, and people were scanning the code and backing. So I'm like getting backers while I'm selling my other books, and I was like, yeah, this is this is how it should work. <laughs> this is how I was hoping it would work. So I'm, I got two more conventions over the next two weeks before the campaign's over. So I'm going to be trying to do the same thing for <laughs> the rest of it too. So we'll see how it goes, but it seems like I might've figured it out to some extent at this point, I kind of made two little standy things that have samples of the books. And then I have like a little uh, one sheet thing that you, I can hand around that's laminated that, that has this QR code on it too. I just everything that I could to make sure people could uh, find it easily. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want to mention those those cons that you're going to be at just in case somebody you know is in the same going to be in the same area and is going to be at those cons? You want to mention those? Yeah. So I'll be at uh, Fantasticon Toledo next or this this uh saturday and sunday coming up here and uh that's that's a fun show it's at the seagate center um and then uh the week following i'll have i'll be at cleveland comic-con which is just a small hotel show it's actually run by the same guy that did the one i just did uh this past weekend it's mostly old school comics in the in the main area but it also they feature some local creators um out in the hall which is always nice and okay. it's it's a good show if, if yeah so if you're in the ohio area i'm just like doing an ohio tour during the the kickstarter this year so nice do you uh do you find it's a like a, a, a hotel con is a a bit of a harder sell i mean if there's some you know uh some some older dude that's there that wants to just sort of you know find issues to fill in his like daredevil run is he he might not be as you know much yeah. into the indie scene do you, do you find that like that's something that you have to overcome it's been it's it's weird because pre-pandemic i made very little at those shows and then after the pandemic hit and like i, I just did this same show that i did he runs them a couple of times in columbus every year I did the same thing in November. It was like the first time cons were really coming back. Mm -hmm. 
and it was ridiculous like people everybody was buying the indie comics and i was like i don't know what's going on because it's a hotel show it's like everybody's here to fill in their like you said their daredevil runs but um i think there's a lot more people are just finding that the new talent is is there and is is on kickstarter Mm -hmm. and that's where people are picking everybody up from so if they're at all interested in newer stuff, it, it, it does seem like people are becoming a little more willing to, to take the risk on the indie books, especially at a show like that. It's like, I was really the only person selling in indie books. Like mm-hmm. there's people with artwork and stuff next to me, but you, you don't have no, you have no competition. And the only competition is they might be older guys, but the younger, the younger people that are coming there are a lot more willing to stop at your table because you're the only person selling something that's new right so mm-hmm. um i seriously i the, the show i did this weekend i was the only person selling my own comic books like it was three artists and me as a writer so it's like versus the toledo show there'll, there'll be a lot more people selling indie books so there'll be a lot more probably I'd be a little harder to sell the books to the people so it's weird it's it's a there's a fine line there right like it's Mm -hmm. you can't really it depends on who's going to show up I guess that day but uh, it seems like since Columbus doesn't really have a lot of convention comic conventions maybe that's also a thing like you they'll take what they can get so they come and they buy whatever they can <laughs> but it's it's worked to my advantage for sure i i never expected to make actually made more money at a small show like that this these pad this past year than i did at like mid-sized shows so oh, wow. it's yeah it's it's interesting <laughs> cool so i think we're gonna we're gonna get close to, to wrapping it up here you know we talked story we talked um you know crowdfunding and a little bit of like hand selling at cons um, but I do have one question I try to ask everybody, and I think I might know the answer. Uh, whenever I have somebody on that's running a Kickstarter um, and that, you know, they're in the, the, the open period for, for funding, um, what kind of Kickstarter runner are you? Are you refreshing the page, you know, all the time? I know that you have a, you know, a family and, and, a, and, a, and a, you mentioned a son, uh, maybe you're able to step away and, and go do something, but what sort of, uh, what sort of crowdfunding runner are you? Are you, are you checking all the time? I'm pretty bad. Yeah. Like <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty constantly looking. Uh, I try to at least give myself breaks throughout mm-hmm. the day, but it's especially the first, the first and last week specifically as like, I'm, I'm waiting for the influx of backers, right? Which may or may not happen, but uh, uh, I think it's it might be a little easier for me this time just because I have so many other uh, th- things for promoting mm-hmm. uh, planned, which I've never really done before. Like I, I've done shows here and there like or podcasts, but I never really had like three conventions during the Kickstarter or... Uh, I'm actually, I think I've booked like six or seven uh, podcasts and interviews along the way too. So it's, I, I probably should force myself to put the phone down a little more often, but you know, it's, 
it's just one of those things like you want to know if someone if someone else is getting you a little closer and once you hit the funding goal that also alleviates like if you if i actually hit the 4500 i might look a little less because i'm Mm -hmm. not sitting there like am i going to get funded but which i really shouldn't be because i'm already 75 percent funded and just statistically compared to my all my other ones this is my best run campaign yet so (laughs) it's like just put the phone down but yeah there's i i don't i think most people that i've talked to that run kickstarters it's you it's just you can't help it but be wanting to look constantly right and like yeah. Unless you delete those apps off your phone, that's probably the best way to, <laughs> to stop yourself. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I'm a, I'm a pretty manic uh, refresher. But I one of the other things that I find funny is like, say that something does take my take my attention away or I'm not near a screen. Um, and then I, I do get back and, and I and I check like two people rolled in and like, but when I'm sitting there you know refreshing nobody yeah. comes in it's like that what is the what is the old adage about like a watch pot never boils or yeah. something like that so it's sort of like there's weird cases like that where you're like yeah. you know you i just don't... need to go to bed so i can wake <laughs> up and find the backers that have backed me while i was sleeping because it's the only way i'll stop looking at it <laughs> yeah yeah cool so let's uh let's let's close up here let's uh Let's let people know where to to go to to follow you online. Obviously, to to keep up with with this book, but uh, you know, there's going to be more stuff in the future. You're going to have, you know, the the Nook's okay. going to see see new life at Source Point. So let people know where they can follow you online. Yeah. So the easiest way is you just go to villagecomicbooks.com. That's my website. Uh, that's kind of my little imprint that all my self published stuff has come through. And if you want to find the Neverland, you can actually just go to neverlandcomic.com and that'll take you right to the Kickstarter page. Cool. Uh, all pretty simple. Awesome. Well, we're going to have links, obviously, to, to the Kickstarter page. Uh, for anybody listening, we want them to you know, open up that pod player, scroll down, click that link. We're going to make it as easy as possible for them. We'll also link your, your social media um but caleb um it's been it's been cool catching up with you i think the last time i talked to you was in person was at baltimore um before the before the before the pandemic so it was probably (laughs) baltimore 2019 uh the last time that we we had a chance to talk so it was awesome to awesome to catch (laughs) up so um i'd like to to thank you for being on yeah maybe what we can do is um sort of hear virtually pencil in um you know a check-in with you in like you know six to eight months you know maybe there's another um there's another issue of, of neverland to talk about and there's obviously going to be some stuff to talk about with the nook so maybe we can we can catch up soon. yeah awesome that'd cool. be great awesome well i'd like to thank everybody for listening if you can give us a rating and review on the podcasting service you use we really appreciate it if you want to follow the podcast uh constructing comics we are on twitter and that is constructing comics pod um we are on instagram is constructing comics pod and facebook is just constructing comics but uh thanks for listening please be safe be nice to each other and go out there and make some comics thank you